0: Give somebody a hug or a high five as you make your way back to your seat. I am thrilled about today. We're one church, five locations, and all of us are together, so let's make sure we're clapping for everybody. Mockingbird Station, love you so much. North Dallas, you're amazing. White Rock, there's nobody like you. And of course, Oak Cliff. That's my hood just got back from antigua guatemala and it was phenomenal we did have our cultivate Women's conference there and man lives were so changed and transformed maybe mine more than anyone else's it was absolutely phenomenal thank you for all of your prayers i asked you to pray last week and you did pray so thank you very very much you're going to hear more stories uh, about what god did down there and how your prayers impacted lives and and how your money also impacted lives too so thank you very very much uh for all of your investment uh we started connect groups this past week too and If you weren't in one, uh, these are where, as a church family, we make sure we're intentional about getting smaller. So we've been meeting in coffee shops and restaurants and homes and apartments all throughout the city, just encouraging each other, opening up the Bible, reading different books together, just really making sure we're intentional about pushing each other forward to become all that God is calling us to be. Uh, So we've got them all over the Metroplex, and I'm asking that everyone in our church be a part of them. Uh, This upcoming Wednesday, though, we've got our men's master classes that are happening this is all in the vein of connect groups as well so we're gonna have all the guys all the men so ladies if you're sitting next to a man elbow him right now and be like hey hey man you better get there or we ain't going on any more dates until you go to this men's master class Uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna come together as men at our white rock campus seven o'clock on wednesday night And we're going to be equipped, and we're going to be challenged, and we're going to be pushed forward in our manhood. Uh, we're gonna get. We'll meet together in the beginning, and then we're gonna break into four different master classes that you'll get to choose from. Uh, the first one is on spiritual development. The next one is on leadership intelligence. Uh, the one after that is on purity, character, and integrity. And the one after that is on how to be a husband and a father. These are the four options that you'll have as a man to go. And we're gonna be intentional again about equipping every man in our church to be the man that God has called them him to be. I cannot wait. To See what happens Uh, this past week. um, We were uh, out of town in Antigua. We came back and my my beautiful daughter told us she went to the zoo uh, this past week. I I, I don't think it was a Fort Worth Zoo because between the Dallas Zoo and the Fort Worth Zoo, we all know who wins that battle it's the fort worth zoo okay this is the thing that fort worth has over dallas no doubt about that uh, i actually haven't been to the dallas zoo uh, because i heard i can go to an alleyway and just see animals and it will be the same as going to the dallas zoo that's what i've been told i don't know if that's true whenever you go uh to a zoo you'll see some kids there that can be pretty bold and they're looking at a lion and the lion's on the other side of the glass and they're sticking their tongue out at that lion and they're like knocking on the window and they're doing all their stuff and shaking their hiney at the, at the lion. And, 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 and the kid can do that because it's a cage, there's, there's a glass, there's, there's a barrier. Uh, put that same kid in on a safari. That same, you know, those jerk kids that are like seven years old, you're like, man... You're a jerk, but hopefully you're going to grow out of this. But put that kid, put that kid. Can you say that about kids? You know some kids are like that, right? Some of them are our kids. <laughs> you, uh, you put that kid in the, in the safari, and they will not have that same attitude. They're not going to be poking and shaking. No, no, no. They'll, they'll be afraid uh, because that, that lion has been taken out of that place of confinement. I feel like the enemy has been poking and mocking at a lot of us. I feel like he's been shaking, and he's been saying, hey, you're, you, you can't get me, uh, and, and, and you're stuck in there forever. But, but we're going to come through this series on release, this word that we've been talking about, the vision that God gave us for this year. And I want you to know you're coming out of this cage, and you're going to be the one to put the enemy on the run, not because you're great, but because the God that you serve is great. On the inside of you, I see us being released out of our cages. I see us coming out of the prisons that we have been in. I see us becoming the men and women that God has destined for us to be. Uh, the reality is, I don't think we've seen the best version of you yet. I don't, I don't think we have. I, I think there's more on the inside of you. I think there's more God wants to do in you and through you. Matter of fact, you can make an announcement, maybe put it on Facebook, uh, put it on Twitter or Instagram later today. Let them know there's a new me coming, okay? There's a new me that, that you're going to see this year. You haven't seen me love the way I'm going to be able to love. I've been chained by my past. I've been chained by some things that I've gone through, but this will be a year of release for me, and you're going to see the love of God flowing through me in ways you never even thought possible. You you thought I love well. Now, wait till you see when I get free. Free from the things that have been holding me. I can't wait to see the businesses that come out of you. I can't wait to see the leadership that comes out of you. I I can't wait to see the relationships that, that are reconciled. I can't wait to see the lids that are taken off of your family. I can't wait to see all that God pulls out of you once he gets you out of that cage of confinement that you've been in. My, we, we, we talked about this word at the beginning of the year our, on Vision Sunday, release, and we're beginning a series uh, around this idea. We're going to dig into the Bible, and we're going to see release exemplified in Scripture in ways that I think is going to push all of us forward. Uh, my, my friends, make no mistake about it. God is not done with you yet. Matter of fact, tell the person next to you, God's not done with you yet. Tell them, tell them that. They need to know. They need to know. Mockingbird, make sure you did it. I know you can be quiet sometimes. Make sure you do it, Mockingbird. God is not done with you yet. We've got a title for today's message, and it it is quite simply questioning to conquering, questioning to conquering. If you have your Bibles, why don't you go with me to Judges chapter 6, Judges chapter six, we're going to start reading in verse number one. Judges chapter six, verse number one. As you turn to Judges chapter six, one, yeah, I know it's on the screen already. Put the definition of release up there for me real fast, just so I can remind everybody uh, what this word means. Um, to set free from confinement to relieve from, from something that burdens or oppresses us. This is, this is what I see God doing for all of us this year, and I want you to see this in the scriptures we're going to be looking at. In Judges chapter chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, again the children of israel here are needing to be released because the midian the power of midian was so oppressive the israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts caves and strongholds whenever the israelites planted their crops the midianites amalekites and other eastern peoples invaded the country They invaded the country, they camped on the land, and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. The book of Judges is a book of cycles, okay? And what ends up happening in this book is God's kids are, are blessed and they're doing well, and they're doing so well, they forget God. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Things are going well, so I don't, need, I don't need God. So they forget God, and when they forget God, that leads to Oppression. They are living in oppression. They live in oppression long enough that they go, wait, we need God. <laughs> so they cry out to God, and God sends them a, this is why the book is named Judges, sends, sends them a judge or a deliverer. He raises someone up to go in and to set the people free from the oppression. This judge shows up, sets the people free. There's usually a war involved. Some people got to get killed, and it's like a movie, Braveheart, Gladiator, 1917, whatever you might like, and somebody, the people get set free. Then they are living for God again, and it's going well. It's going well. Then they forget God, end up in oppression, cry out to God. He sends another deliverer. It's a book of cycles. Over and over and over, we find the children of Israel in Judges chapter 6 in the middle of one of these cycles. They've forgotten God, and now they're, they're stuck. Have you ever been stuck in a cycle? Are, are you in one right now? Do you have a family member that's in one right now? It's like the relationship starts off good, and it's good for two years. And then once two years comes, something changes and things go bad and now you're depressed and the depression leads to this, that leads to that. And it's like you, you can see the pattern happening. You have a, you have a girlfriend, you have, a, you have a, a, a buddy of yours, a, fr- a frat brother that, that you can see the cycle in his life. You can see the cycle in her life. You're like, man, I would not get in that relationship again. You, you, you're, you're in the same pattern. You're in the same cycle. So now they've been in this cycle and, and they're, they're now being invaded and the crops are being taken advantage of and there's so much oppression, they now have to make their home in caves. They now are making, taking their shelter and they're putting it in mountain clefts and in caves. They're trying to hide out. They're trying to hide out from their oppressors. I, I was wondering how many of us might be hiding out in caves. How many of us, it looks on the outside like we're free, but you know in your soul you're not free. Like on the outside, it looks like you have it all together, but on the inside, just know I'm living in a cave right now. If somebody asks me about this particular thing, I'm going to lie to them because I don't want them to know the cave that I'm actually living in right now. Uh, how many of us are in caves? How many of us are married to someone? We said, I do. We said, I love you, but you know in your soul you're still in a cave. You're still in your last marriage. You're smiling at this person, but in your heart you're still in your last marriage. You're still in that last bit of oppression. You're still in that last person that was so abusive to you. That's where your mindset still is. And yes, you wore the wedding dress, and yes, you put on the tux, but you're still in the cave from your last relationship. I understand how people end up in caves. I get it. A panic attack can put you in a cave. A loss of a job can put you in a cave. Somebody betraying you can put you in a cave. There's a lot of, a lot of things. A doctor's report can put you in a cave. And you, can, you can come to church and still be... Still be living Monday through Saturday in a cave. There's, there's no guilt, just so you know, and the, the, there's no shame. I'm just trying to make the story, connect the story to where we actually live because we can read something like that and go, oh, that's interesting for them, but they are us and we are them, and the good news is they won't live in those caves forever. They're coming out of the caves. They're about to be released just like you are. And just like I am. Let me just fast forward to the end of the story for a second. Not just this story but the story the great story and that is the story of Jesus Christ and that story is the cross is always greater than the cave. Okay it's always greater. What, what Jesus did on the cross is he made a way for all of us to come out of caves and, and you and I sometimes can think the cave is our allotment in life but you were never designed to stay in the cave. You're always designed to come out of it. You are a Lazarus my friend and and yes, Lazarus was put in that thing, but Lazarus came out of that thing. And the same thing is going to happen for you and for me. So here we, we've, got, we've got the stage is set. We see the problems. We see what is going on. And God is about to raise up this, this judge. Look, look with me in uh, verse number 11 now. Verse number 11. Verse number 11 of Judges chapter 6. Where is it at? Okay, okay. The angel of the Lord came. And sat down under the yoke in Orphra, not Oprah, (laughs) that belonged to Joash the Abizurite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13 Uh, Pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the you feel the music. Think, think movie, think you know, the, the orchestra begins to build right now, those big the drums. It's a moment right here. God's like, I'm pouring strength into you. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Just a question, Lord. Just a a question. Just a question. Pardon pardon me, Lord. Uh, (laughs) You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. Um, How can I save Israel? (laughs) My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Okay, let me. You don't get to choose your purpose. You only get to discover it. Okay? You don't get to choose it. You, can, you get to discover it. Now, now, you can choose a hobby. You can choose your spouse. But you don't choose your purpose. Your purpose comes from God. He wires you with that. When he's knitting you together in your mother's womb. When the God of heaven said, I, I, I've got a problem. I want you to solve it. You're going to be my son and daughter. And I don't know all that came into you being born. But I do know that God doesn't make any junk and he doesn't do anything on accident. So since you are here, that tells me God has purpose flowing through your veins. And you don't get to choose that purpose. You only get to discover it. Here is Gideon, and he is discovering his purpose. It's it's here. It's in front of him. The angel of the Lord has showed up, and he's like, hey, you're going to deliver the people. And Gideon is still questioning it. This is why I'm always a little bit skeptical. It's like, God, just make it clear. God, just make it clear. And when God makes something really, really clear, you and I still go, mm. I don't know, Lord. I don't know. How clear does it have to be? So now Gideon. He is threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay, now we don't thresh wheat here. So I was trying to think, what, 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 would, this, uh, what would be like threshing wheat in a wine press? It would be like you practicing your jump shot in, a, in the trunk of a car. You, you wouldn't do that. It would be too difficult. It would be like you trying on clothes with your eyes closed. You 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 wouldn't do that. It'd be like you taking taking your working on your golf swing, in, in inside of a closet. You you just wouldn't do those things. And Gideon here is now threshing wheat. In a in a wine press. Why? Because the oppression of the Midianites has been so great, it has taken him and pushed him behind the scenes into a spot he does not want to be in. But now he has to live this way, not because he wants to, but because he must. And some of us are in some places right now, not because we want to be, but because we must be. I I wish I was still in my three bedroom, two bath house, but I must be in this one bedroom, one bath because. That that guy was abusive, so I had to get out of that situation and be in a spot I don't want to be in, but nonetheless, here I am right now. This is where I'm at. This is what I have to deal with. This is how I got to work it out. So I'm going to make it work as best I possibly can, and here the angel of the Lord shows up. You just saw the verses, verse 12. He's like, hey, mighty warrior, and Gideon's like, mm-hmm. Do you see his questions? You see his questions? If when, why, if, when, why, oh, go in the strength you have, Ooh, but how, but how, this is a questioning spirit that he has right here. Let me just talk for a moment about this questioning spirit, because today we're going to talk about going from questioning to conquering, and if you're going to be released, I just felt like this was one of the things that's going to be an ingredient for you and I to become who God is calling us to be. You will not be able to be released the way God wants you to be released if you keep living in questioning. You're going to have to transition from questioning to conquering if you want to be who God has called you to be. What is questioning? what does what questioning look like? Let me give you some principles on a questioning a questioning spirit. There is a difference. There is a difference between asking a question and a questioning spirit. They're different. I don't have time to turn to the scripture, but I want I encourage you to look it up this this week. You can look at the difference between when the angel shows up to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and tells her, you're going to have a child. She asks a question. How's this going to be? I've never been with a man. Angel answers her, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to overshadow you. He answers the question. You look uh, another passage of scripture, this guy named Zechariah, he is the father of John the Baptist. The angel shows up to him and says, Hey, you're going to have a son. And Zechariah, it looks as if he's asking a question, but from the angel's response, we can see he had a questioning spirit. Because when he asked, Wait, wait, what are you talking about? the angel says, I'm Gabriel. I've been standing in the presence of God. What are you talking about? You're gonna sh- your mouth will be shut until the time that baby comes. One had a question. The other had a questioning spirit. It's a different now, now, in our day and age, we just want to be like, oh, boy, I, I, want my qu- I want to get my question answered. I want to get my question That leads me to the second one. That leads me to the second one. A questioning spirit is more interested in information than obedience. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. okay? Tell me this. Tell me how. Tell me when. Tell me this. Tell me that. Tell me who. Tell me why. Tell me this. Tell me that. Tell- and you really can never answer all the questions. You you really you really you ever you ever been in a relationship with somebody like this? You're like I just went to the store. You come back and like where were you? Oh, I went to a bunch of the store. Well, but well, who'd you see? Well, I, I, I didn't see anybody. Well, you didn't see anybody at the store. Well, no, I mean I saw people, but I didn't see anybody that I knew. Oh, so now you saw people, but before you didn't. See- Wait, what? I just got milk. I just got milk. I'll, I'll Amazon Prime it next time. I promise you, nothing happened. I've been gone nine minutes. It's a difference between asking a question and a questioning spirit. You guys with me on this? You understand? I'm, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. The issue is that questioning spirit. See, what happens What happens? Uh, is the, the questions, um, they don't actually change God's view of you. But a questioning spirit can change your view of God. It can start to distort it, and you can start to think that God might not have the power to do what God says he wants to do. That he can't accomplish through you what he actually wants to accomplish through you. So our questioning spirit begins to, we think, we think it's lifting the room. It's not lifting the room. It's, it's diminishing and minimizing the size of your God. Shrinking him down so that you and I can be in control of the situations. So that's, that's what a questioning spirit looks like. But today we're going from questioning to conquering. So I, w- I want to show you a picture of what a conquering Spirit looks like. We can see a questioning one in Gideon, but let's look at a conquering one. Go with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Look with me at verse 22. It says So on the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword. Or spear in his hand. Okay? Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. So who were the ones that had a sword or a spear in their hand? There's only two people. Who were they? Saul and Jonathan. That's it. Out of all the soldiers, only two people had a sword or a spear. I don't have time to give you all the context behind this. You can read it. I've been actually going through the book of 1 Samuel. I've thoroughly been enjoying it. It's been challenging me in amazing ways. But go down with me now to chapter 14, verse number 1. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, remember those are the two that have a sword and a spear. Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Verse number six. Look read verse number six. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Jonathan is about to go start a fight. Let's go. So he's saying to his man next to him, his armor bearer, come on. Let's go. Well, remember, there's two people that have swords, Jonathan and Saul. Well, no wonder Jonathan's like, hey, let's go fight. He's got a sword. His armor bearer, no sword. So what's the armor bearer going to do in this moment? A fight is about to happen. What's going to be the response of the armor bearer? Look with me in verse number seven. Look at me in verse number seven. This is what the armor bearer says. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Johnson's like, let's go. And the armor bearer's like... Let's do this. You got any friends like this? You gotta have some friends like this. You gotta have some friends that are like, I don't know where we're going. I don't know who it is. But I'm riding with you. You gotta have some friends. Like, you gotta have some friends that you can text them after church today, and be like, hey, appreciate you. You like that armor bearer in 1 Samuel 14. What? Never mind, man. Just watch it on YouTube you got to have some friends that they might not have all that they think they ought to have, but when you're headed a direction, they have your back. They are supporting you. They are like, I am with you. I'm your ride or die bad boy for life. They are like, I am in this thing with you. See, a questioning spirit goes, wait. you got a sword. I don't. Uh, how, how long is it going to take? <laughs> will, you, will you kill one person, then you toss the sword over to me? Like, how's it going to work when we get up there? <laughs> you, you just, just think of all the questions. Now, some of you right now, you know you already have a questioning spirit because you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> and the problem is, the problem is, In this story, Jonathan represents Jesus, and the armor bearer represents you and I. So when Jesus says, let's go over there and take that land, let's go take that step of faith, are you the type of person that says, "Mm, what do you mean by take the land? What's it going to cost me? Am I going to have to give my time? Am I going to have to give my money? What about what people think about me? What if they think that I'm prideful? What if they think that I'm this? What if they think that I'm that? See, that's what Gideon did. Honestly, y'all, that's what I have done. I'm still shocked that God has done as much in this church as he has done when I know how much of a questioning spirit I have. I'm so grateful. For the way that he has moved, not because of me, but in spite of me. I'm so thankful. But I could not help but wonder, what would it look like? If I was willing to get out of God's way and if Jesus said, hey, we're going over there to take that land, I didn't question, but I had the spirit of this armor bearer that said, Jesus, if you have it in mind, I'm with you, heart and soul. Where do you want to make it on earth as it is in heaven? I'm going with you, Jesus. I'll give you 110% of my time, my energy, my money, my gifts, my talents. You can have it all. I am tired of us as a church playing it safe I am tired of us living in our little Christian bubble I want us to be who God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do and you and I do not get there living with a questioning spirit you get there with a conquering spirit so I'm trying to see the flip the switch will will change in my heart and in my mind and at every one of our locations at every person at every location i want to see the grace of god change us from the inside out i wrote down some things just real quick on how do you cultivate how do you cultivate a questioning spirit and how do you cultivate a conquering spirit there's some things you can do to cultivate a questioning spirit. I put them all on, on, on one slide for all of us here. And that's when you got to look at what you don't have. You look at what you don't have. You got you to you compare yourself to others. And not only that, you need to remember all your struggles. If you do this, I promise you, you will cultivate a questioning spirit. And many of us are experts at each of these things we're experts at what we don't have we're experts at comparing ourselves to others and we're experts at remembering every struggle we've ever gone through so here's every reason it can't work this church can't be what it is it's too friendly it's too nice it's too loving nope You can't be that kind. My connect group leader can't be that genuine. Oh, no, you can't. You can go down the line when you look at all the struggles you've had and you compare it and you go, no. But there's a way to cultivate a conquering spirit, too. You got to look at not just what you don't have. Forget that stuff. Look at who you're with. And and the armor bearer saw he was with Jonathan, and you and I see that we're with Jesus, and it changes our perspective. I wish I had time to get into this, but you gotta you gotta be willing to ride and run with people who are going the right direction. Because if you're around a whole bunch of questioners, no wonder you're always questioning. You gotta get with some people who are going somewhere. Are your friends headed anywhere? Is the community around you dreaming any dreams? Are they, are they sacrificing at all? Are they laying down their lives for others? Hey, if you are an engaged couple, do not get marriage advice from a marriage you do not respect. Who are you running with? Let their marriage get healthy before you start getting all their advice and, and, and modeling yourself after them. I have seen too many people get their advice from someone that they should never be getting their advice from. Do you want to be like them? Okay, you got to remember who you are. If you want to cultivate the spirit of a conqueror, you have to remember your identity. And this is not some humanistic thing. This, my friends, goes right back to Jesus. I got my last verse and I'm all done here. Romans chapter 8. Who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, no, no. In all these things, we are more than, what's it say? We are more than what? We're more than what? We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. That my friends is the truth of who you and I are because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us on the cross. Your identity is no longer a questioner. Your identity is now a conqueror and if you and I can switch flip the switch into becoming who God has called us to be. You're not striving to be something you're not. You're trying to release who God already designed you to be. The the world is making you a questioner when God already made you a conqueror what would it look like what would it look like if Jesus said I want to make it on earth as it is in heaven over there and there were a bunch of us that were like go ahead Lord I don't have a sword but I'm with you I'm with you heart And soul, do not be surprised when heaven invades earth and that which is broken is put back together all for the glory and the fame of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I cannot wait to see what it looks like as we get released into being all God has called us to be. If you're in mind at every location, bow your head for just a moment, please. If you're under the sound of my voice and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ you never made him first. You've never made him number one. You've never made him the boss of your life. But you're under the sound of my voice. You're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. You don't want to be first. You want him to be first. I'm not asking do you believe in God. I'm not asking do you have a Bible. I'm not asking do you think you're a good person. I'm asking, is Jesus Christ the Lord, the boss, in charge of your life? And if he is not, this is your moment at every location to say, Jesus, I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my life. So whether you're at Oak Cliff, you're at Mockingbird, you're at North Dallas, you're at White Rock Chute, you might even be watching online right now. You're saying, I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. On the count of three, do something simple but something bold. I literally want you to throw your hand in the air. Say, yes, that's me. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw that hand in the air. You're saying, Yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make him first. I want to make him number one. Oh, man, this is beautiful. I'm going to ask every person, every location, put your hand over your heart if you are not mine. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we lift our heads up? Can we clap our hands with enthusiasm at every location?